Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. I pray and hope that the commercialism of Christ doesn't, we don't get caught up in the commercialism of of Christ, we get caught up in the Christ of Christmas. And uh, I think we should just uh, go ahead and give a hand to all our kids here, they did a great job. Good job, kiddos. Thanks, Brittany, Pastor John Mark, Autumn for putting on a great program. You guys were awesome. It's fun to learn about what Christmas is all about from our kiddos and from Linus, who is the, the voice of Corbin Ostrom, that Christmas is, is all about Jesus. You guys are awesome. You guys can leave now. Go ahead. They're really comfortable down here. Charlie Brown. Oh, thanks, Charlie. Look at that. I got a tree from Charlie Brown. I got a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. This is great, you know. This tree always has cracked me up, like if trees could cry. <laughs> here it is, right here, right? Like it's, it's kind of sad looking and maybe a bit depress, depressing. But this is a tree that I think it's safe to say we probably wouldn't choose for our family Christmas tree in our house. Is that right? This is one of those trees that wouldn't win the awards of best Christmas trees. You won't find a tree like this in our governmental buildings. It won't be picked to be displayed in the White House. It's, it's kind of a, it's a tree that you would overlook, wouldn't you say? Like, I grew up in the Northwest, and we actually used real trees during Christmas up in the Northwest. Not like the fake, because the real trees don't make it here. They don't last. I've tried. It doesn't work. But... We had a tradition where we would go and we could chop down our own tree and bring it to our house, and it was a super fun tradition. And one year, Amy and I got a little overzealous. We went and we chopped down this big tree, and it was so big, I actually had to have help, had to help, have help finish cutting it, so it would, and then I had to have help loading it, and we got it to our house, and we realized as we got it set up, and all that, like, oops, this is a little bit too big. Because literally, when we sat down on the couch, it was like a foot and a half from our couch. It was like... What's up, Christmas tree? And so we had to kind of shimmy around the Christmas tree that year in our home. Again, we just got a little overzealous. We were super excited about this beautiful tree, but it was a little bit wider than we thought it was. And we may do that year. We loved that tree, but I think it's safe to say I had never chose a tree that looked like this. But this tree is perfect to remind us of something very important in this Christmas season. In fact, I think this tree shows us how God came into the world. Like this tree, you describe it as a very humble-looking tree, right? And that's how God came into the world. A very humble, quiet way. You know, King Herod was the king at the time over the whole region. Maybe you've heard of King Herod. If you read the, the Christmas story, you know he was the guy that the wise men went and visited. We just read about that. And so... 
he told the wise men, hey, come back and let me know when you find this king of the Jews because I want to worship him. And so the wise men, being wise as they were, they didn't go back and tell King Herod because they knew the guy's crazy. I mean, this guy was so prideful. This guy was so into himself and he was so afraid that someone would usurp his authority that he actually killed his own family members so that he alone could be king. He was way into himself. Kind of a, a sad story. But he actually had built amazing palaces and fortresses around Israel at the time, all in his honor and for himself. Partly because he wanted a place to go in case the Jews revolted against him. He wanted to be safe, so he, had, he built all these places. But he had one that was on the Mediterranean Sea. It's a beautiful thing. It's called Caesarea Maritime. And he had you know, a big palace there, a big amphitheater that overlooked the Mediterranean. It's just beautiful. He had one that was called Masada, this huge mountain just that overlooked the Dead Sea. And he built this fortress that was said to be impenetrable up on top of that. He had an incredible palace in Jerusalem. And actually, also had another place in Jerusalem just for himself. And then he had built this really cool structure called the Herodium. It was up on a hill, and it was almost the highest mountain in the area. But since it wasn't, he built that mountain up even more and then built this massive fortress on this. We got a picture of what it was, it likely looked like based upon the archaeology and, the, and what we can see there today. So this is really big structure that was meant to be intimidating and grandiose, but it just would have looked pretty awesome. And in this place that was called Herodium, he had gardens, he had a bathhouse, he had a really cool amphitheater. Get a picture of the amphitheater as it looks today. And in this fortress, he had a palace, another big palace just for himself. And what's interesting about this magnificent structure, this magnificent palace, is that just three miles from the king's palace, in a little barn, the true king was born. Bethlehem, in this little stable where, the, where, where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, was just three miles from that Herodian structure. This place that was meant to honor and point to the king, the true king was born just three miles away. You see, Jesus, as he entered this world, he came very humbly, didn't he? If he really was the king of all kings, some would say, well, shouldn't he have been born in a palace? Like, why would God do this? Why would he allow his son to be born in a stable and not a palace? If he really is royalty, he should have been born in a place of royalty. So why did God do it this way? He did it this way very intentionally to be humble, to show that he came for everybody. He came because he loves everybody, because he wants to save everybody, not just the rich, but the poor. Not just the famous, but those that are obscure. Not just the powerful, but those that are also helpless. See, Jesus wanted to identify with everybody and let them know he came to save everybody. That's why he came in such a humble way. So Jesus came, he lived among us, he walked among us, he showed us who he is, and he showed us how much he loved us. And as he came, Jesus did bring his kingdom, but he also brought his salvation, but he did it through humility. Jesus brought his kingdom and his salvation to us, but he did it through humility. This is why the kingdom of God is so upside down and so different from the kingdom of this world. 
Because in our world, in our society, in our culture, it's all about power and fame and notoriety and popularity. It's all about getting as much stuff as you can and making sure everybody knows and, and, and titles and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus says, that's not the way it is in my kingdom. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of humility. Oh, yes, there's power in the kingdom of God. There is authority in the kingdom of God. But it comes through, interestingly enough, through humility. And so we see this from the very moment that Jesus enters the world. As a baby, he comes very humbly. The the kings in power at that time didn't even know that the true king had come. The, The priests that had the power, all the religious leaders, didn't even know that the true king had come. But you know who did know? The shepherds in the hillside outside the city of Jerusalem, Jesus showed up, or the angels showed up to them and and sang a song and declared, the king is here. The prince of peace is here. Glory to God in the highest, for peace for all men has come now. And the shepherds were looked down upon in that society. That was a lowly occupation. People would have made fun of them, looked over them, and those were the people that God chose to declare that he was there. Jesus came in a very humble, and some might even say obscure way. So friends, this is what Christmas is all about. And I think that this humble, simple Christmas tree, the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, reminds us of how God came into this world. A very humble, simple, but powerful way. There's some words that Paul wrote in Philippians, and if you have your Bible, feel free to go to Philippians chapter 2. But these words really speak well to what took place that first Christmas. This passage that I'm going to read here was likely a hymn that was sung in the first century church. So Paul says this, Philippians 2, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So think about this. God made himself nothing. God shrank down, 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 down. And he didn't just become a man. God didn't just become a baby. Think before that, God actually became a human embryo. I mean, that, my friends, is a picture of humility if ever there was one. The almighty God, the all-powerful God who could have come in power and might and just and come so differently, he came in a very humble way. And so as God entered our world, what we call that is the incarnation of Christ. This was God in the flesh. Jesus was God in the flesh. And so the incarnation of Christ is that Jesus, the Son of God, who has always existed willingly humbled himself and became a human. So without ceasing to be God, he became a man. He became one of us to show us who he is, what he's like, how much he loves us. And friends, this is what Christmas is all about. And so I pray that that this tree here and this message and this angle that we're looking at, how God came into this world, I pray that it would help you and I to grow as people who walk in humility. If we're going to be God's people and be a part of his kingdom, that means we walk in humility. It's easy for us to be selfish, isn't it? 
It doesn't take much just to be selfish and to act selfish and to, and to really operate out of pride. Some of us have probably already done it today, right? It's easy for us to even justify our selfishness. Like I can cheat on this, it's okay, it's not that bad. I can cheat on this test, I deserve a good grade. I can, uh, I can spend all this money on myself. After all, I worked hard for it. You know, we can make everything about me, me. I have a right to do this. You can't tell me what to do. I have a right to do with my body whatever I want to do. I'm not, uh, you know, don't, don't put your values in whatever you want to say. No, no, it's all about me and my rights. And sometimes we can find ourselves fighting for our rights, fighting for what we want and we think we need and we think we want instead of, actually trying to live in a such a way that we ask God, God, what do you want? How can I honor you, God? How can I serve you? How can I serve other people? It's the way of humility, and it's what Jesus came to show us from the very moment he was born. In fact, this is why Paul was actually writing these words here, which again was probably a hymn, a song that they sang in, in their gatherings. But right before that, he wrote these words. This is the reason. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So as believers, we should have a different attitude. One that causes us to lay aside our rights so that we can love and serve God and serve other people. But it takes humility to do that. And then humility enables us, it, it, it helps us realize that we need God. We need him in our life and we need to live like him. Only humility, humility can help us do that. Our mission here at Rivers Church is to love people, live like Jesus and lead others to him. And that whole live like Jesus is a big deal. We want to do the best we can to live like Jesus. And how did Jesus live? As we're looking at today, he lived in a very humble way his whole life. He was humble. How he loved people, how he taught, even all the ways he went through the cross, he did it in humility. He brought his power and his kingdom through humility. And we want to live like Jesus, who lived a life of humility. You know, we tend to think that humility is a sign of weakness, don't we? If someone's humble, it's like, well, they're just weak. And as guys, we can do that too. It's like, look down on somebody who's humble. Like, that's, that's, that's weak. But when you really think about it, humility is strength. It takes strength to make life not all about me. It takes strength for me to live a life that is striving my best to honor God, to please God, to serve him and to serve other people. That's, it's easy to live for myself. Anybody can do that. I didn't even have to teach my kids how to do that. They just did that naturally. I'm kind of trained, I'm trying to train that out of them. And even now as they're teenagers, we're having to trying to retrain that out of them. All of you who have teenagers, I pray God's blessing and favor and wisdom and strength over you. You know what I'm saying, right? Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> oh, man. So humility really is strength, friends. And have you ever noticed that pride? Pride's just a turnoff. 
You hang out with somebody that's into themselves, that's full of pride. After a while, you're like, I don't really enjoy hanging out with that person. They're not very fun. They just think about themselves. Pride's kind of ugly. It's a turnoff. But humility is beautiful. It's attractive. Humility and pride cannot coexist. Only one of those can exist. And I pray that you and I would follow the way of Jesus and that we would crucify, we would kill pride in our life and walk in humility. Humility is the way of Jesus. So let's read these last few words here from this song in Philippians. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself and went through the cross for you and for me because he loved us so much. And that single act of humility changed human history. That single act of humility changed eternity. And it can change our eternity when we accept what Jesus did for us. We put our trust in him. And maybe you've never done that. I would encourage you to do so today. Put your trust in Jesus. Here's the deal, friends. All of us, we're full of pride. We're kind of born into that. Pride, selfishness, it just comes naturally to us. It's part of our flesh, our sinful nature. But Jesus came to pay the penalty of that. You see, because we're we're sinful because we've rebelled against God. We've tried to do this on our own. We're like, I don't need you, God. I can, I can do this on my own. We've sinned. And we deserve death. But Jesus says, no, no, I'll, I'll die for you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to pay that penalty. But follow me. Put your trust in me. And that's how we can experience that eternal change in our life. We can't experience a, a change from Jesus until we put our trust in him, though. And if you need to do that today, I'd encourage you to do that. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. But it requires humility. Pride says, I don't need God. I don't believe in God. I have to understand everything. You know, intellectually, uh, we can operate out of pride. Everything has to make sense and all this kind of stuff. There's many ways that pride comes up, but pride can keep us from being humble and, and being willing to admit that we need God. But what's interesting in this passage that we just read shows is that eventually everybody will. Everybody will realize Jesus was Lord. In the end, when we stand before our maker, that's a moment that every person is gonna fall to their knee. Every person out of their mouth is gonna confess. Jesus, you are Lord. Can you imagine that moment? That moment where we're standing before our maker. It's what the Bible is describing. I just, just picture this, like people are just going to fall down. It's just going to instantly fall to their knees as they experience the glory of God in all his fullness. And they're going to realize as they bow their knee to Jesus that he is Lord. And they're going to even just declare it out of their mouth. Jesus, you're Lord. But if that's the first time they do it, it's too late. So my encouragement to you and I is to come to that place of humility today. 
and recognize, bow your knee, declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord today. All it requires humility, but it's worth it. It's gonna happen eventually for everybody. Take it from me, it's better to do it now and not miss out on all that God has for you. Not just in eternity, but in this life, all the fullness of life, all the joy that he has for you now, friends. That's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't just say, someday you'll experience me and my kingdom. No, today. You and I can experience him, his presence, his kingdom, but it requires humility on our part. So we're gonna pray here as we come to a close. And man, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I'd encourage you to humble yourself before him today in your heart and receive this gift of salvation and receive this offer he has to radically change your life from the inside out. And just know that it's gonna change you, not just now, but forever. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.